Hey, Kat, can you help me with something? Do you remember your crushes from middle school? What? The ones that never work out. All of them? Do you still kind of love that one co-worker? Who? The one who's now your close pal. Don't say anything. Did you ever even catch their eye line? They caught yours. Let's get them on the phone. Everyone I never kissed. That's insane. Let's get them on the phone and show them what they missed. Kind of sexy. Everyone you never kissed. Everyone you never kissed. Everyone I never kissed. Everyone I never kissed. With Lynn Barbera. Hello! In case your phone is set on autoplay and you were just listening to This American Life, let it be known that this is actually going to go ahead and be episode four of Everyone I Never Kissed, a podcast about past crushes and present secondhand embarrassment. I'm your host, Lynn Barbera. And if you even care, we're back from a couple months hiatus. If I could dedicate my life to tracking down your old crushes, miking them up, and forcing them to relive your Facebook DMs, I would. But until I win a million dollars or capture the hearts and minds of a production company, I only have so many hours outside my barista hustling to be past crush hustling. I'm glad to be back though, and I know you're going to fall head over absolute heels for the next few episodes I've been working on. Before we get to this week's crush, gotta do a quick Star Watch update. You guys, on Spotify, we are up to 18 five-star reviews. That's 90 stars. Two more ratings till we're in the triple digits. And that's how I'll know we made it. One more quick shout out to Apple podcast user PF101345, who left us the review. A wonderful show and bespeaks of intimacy. Oh, honey. In this episode, we'll be speaking of intimacy. Just one quick content note before we get started. This episode touches on the topic of sexual assault. We don't get into any specifics, but definitely take care of yourself and feel free to stop listening whenever you want. I'll link to some resources for survivors of sexual trauma in the show notes. If you're a survivor, I love you so much. And you know what? This episode is for you even if you don't listen to the whole thing. All right, that's it. I've made you wait long enough. My guest today is bursting at the seams to tell you all about their crush. Are you nervous? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Let me just do my spit take. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wait, because this is a world in which a spit take is like you have to spit all of your stuff before you start recording. Yeah. <laughs> it's like when I do derby, like one of the first things I do is like, I'll get on the track and I always do like a controlled fall on both knees just so I can like get a fall like out of the way. Is that like a normal? No, no one ever. I never see anyone do that. (laughs) (laughs) I'll just be like, yep, knee pads. They're good. You're working. working. Yeah. I know Nettie from my job where we both work. Technically, I'm their boss. But I've also been to their family home on Fire Island, and when I had COVID a couple weeks ago, they left a giant bag of delicious kolaches in my mailbox. So technically, we're also intimate friends. 
Before I'd made any episodes of this podcast, Nettie was one of the people I told about my idea of reaching out to past crushes, and they knew immediately who they would want to call. But once we get into the studio and start recording, Nettie realizes they don't quite know what to call themselves. I wonder also, am I going to do Nettie or Annette? I think I'll probably do Nettie for it. Wait, how would this person know you? This person would know me as Annette. Some trans people have a complicated relationship with their given name. For instance, me. You might remember in episode three, I was really worried that my guest, Gagarin, might get called the wrong name. Gagarin wasn't actually that worried about it. And it turns out, neither is Nettie. I love being called Annette, yeah. But at the same time, like, no one really calls me Annette anymore. And I'm not going to start now. Here's more about Nettie. <sighs> what do I do? I do roller derby. Um, not the best at it, but I've been doing it for like at least seven years now, which oh is God. crazy to me. Yeah. And then I write poetry and prose, like memoir type short prose about... Um, I don't know, like my family, my being gay, being trans, (laughs) being in love or being heartbroken. (laughs) Man, these transitions are writing themselves. Clearly, it's time to talk about love. I won't look at you. (laughs) Tell me about your crush. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Okay, so this crush, I um, had. Okay, so let me let me start. So, in my high school, there's this program called SWS. It stands for School Within a School. It's like alternative, like democratic type learning and courses, whatever, like that developed in the 70s. And then like our school like has this program. Let me just butt in to clarify. No, Nettie's past crush is not on an alternative learning program from the 70s. But just like how people say New York City is a character in the movie When Harry Met Sally... SWS played a leading role in Nettie's 10th grade love life, so it's kind of important for us to understand. It's like the last three periods of the day. It was essentially like your social sciences, your English, and then like an elective, whatever. And the classes were really cool. Like there was like a songwriting class. There was a New Yorker class. We just like, that was the first time I read the New Yorker and like articles and that like was all you did. Students could teach classes. You had to have a faculty member be like a sponsor or not because I remember taking a class called Anger Management. It was literally, we watched the movie Anger Management and it was just like me and like five other people. And I was like, this is so stupid. Like there were all these like random classes and you would like it felt like we were like registering for college classes essentially. So I took like all these cool like random classes. Most of my friends are in their lovely little AP classes. I, I'm i in SWS. And the thing about SWS is because it's the alternative type thing, like it has a reputation or people look at the students in it as being like, laid back like lazy stoners just like whatever but I loved it there are a couple other things about SWS but don't worry Nettie's gonna guide us through 
Oh, this is the thing about SWS too. This is very important. So SWS <laughs> starts in 10th grade, but it's also, it has 10th, 11th, and 12th graders. So you take classes. If you're in 10th grade, you're taking classes with people who are older than you. And people in SWS will usually start in 10th grade. And then that is their like social studies, English, like that. They stay in SWS for like the three years. I was only in SWS for 10th grade, but it was still like probably the most important like intellectually like academically like I feel like those were classes that I started taking where like I remember I took like a slaughterhouse five like that's all we did is read slaughterhouse five and I remember like that was the first book that I read where I was like wow like literature is like really powerful and you like I I love that like it it was just like this type of awakening in so many ways and it was really important, really special, a really special, important year for me. All right, enough SWS insider baseball. It's time to talk about the crush. Anyway, so I'm in 10th grade and one of the seniors that's in SWS is this girl, Hannah. I truly can't like remember the first time like I saw or was hanging out with Hannah but she wound up um, throughout the year like being in a few of my classes and I don't know she was just like I I mean I'm I was always tall (laughs) um even in high school but yeah she was like shorter than me just like freckly very smiley chipper and just really cute These days, we all know that Nettie is gay. How many times has roller derby come up already? But back in 10th grade, they were just starting to figure out their sexuality. And it seems like their crush on Hannah was really setting things in motion. I felt like I had been sitting with this feeling of knowing that I liked girls and I was just like, bursting with it and it was like really it was just like really upsetting me you know to sit with that and want to be able to tell like your best friend that you like someone or you're capable of liking girls or whatever and I just remember my thing was that on Facebook like you could write who you're interested in and I remember like not putting an interested in because I was like I don't I didn't I don't know I was like I don't even want to fake it on there but I was like I'm gonna opt out of an interested in and so I remember like directing my friend to be like well look at my face like I was like kind of being like look for something on my Facebook like what stands out to you or does it and um she was just like not getting it at all because like who would and I told her I was like I don't have an interested in because I'm bi, like, girls, blah, blah, blah. And she was like, oh, daddy, like, very encouraging and also just trying to, like, calm me through this computer monitor through AIM. And, um, (laughs) yeah, I was like, everything's risky. (laughs) Everything was risky. It was 2007 on Long Island. And Nettie's older brother was in bed inches away from where they had just come out for the first time. That's right, folks. The family computer was in the older brother's room. I already told you it was 2007. This is a time like in high school where like if you were gay, it was essentially just like gossip, but in 
a negative way because I always remember this like one couple like you'd hear about them like going to the girls bathroom and like making out and yeah it was just it was just shrouded in that type of like secrecy where it was like shameful almost but here's the thing about SWS it was a liberal safe haven aka a bisexual's sex heaven I, like, start to, like, understand that, like, some of the older, like, there was a bunch of seniors, like, a bunch of older girls that I'm, like, like I think there's, like, a lot of bisexuals here. And it was just very <laughs> exciting to me. And then there was the trip. We didn't, we didn't do it, like, my year, but usually you do, like, a camping trip and it's this bonding thing. And one of the notable activities that you would do I forget what it was called, but you would just sit in, like, a dark room, like, just pitch black, and everyone's sitting in there, and what you're meant to do is just, like, share things, like, share very personal things, and it's supposed to be, yeah, this, like, really extreme, like, this bonding thing, and I'm, like, now looking back on it, I'm, like, I don't know if we, like, really should have been doing that. Um, We didn't go do the camping trip, but we... Telling secrets in the dark was an important part of SWS, so... Even though Nettie's year wasn't able to go on the camping trip, they made other arrangements for the secret sharing. Our high school had like a little gym, like workout room that was also like the wrestlers used it. So it had all like the padding and stuff. And we went in there and just shut off all the lights. And it's however many teenagers, um, maybe a couple of faculty and, um, like you just kind of had like one by one, it was like popcorn, like people would say something. And at first you have people saying like, maybe like silly things, whatever, just cause you're like, we will be in here for an hour, like, and you can say something or you cannot. So we can sit here in silence or like you can partake. But the darkness is obviously supposed to somehow make everyone feel safer. And you're like not supposed to know who's talking, which is so silly because it's like, we, we recognize our, people's voices yeah. yeah so all this whatever random stuff is being said and then it was like one by one a bunch of girls were like <laughs> like i'm bisexual oh my and God. then so it was like one and then it was like another one like i'm bisexual <laughs> and there was another one it was like i'm bisexual and it was like boom boom and i'm like sitting there in the dark like oh my god <laughs> and i'm like freaking out oh my god um Dear listener, you will not believe which bisexual colonel popped out of the closet next. I can't remember if I was like specifically listening out for her, but it was just kind of like, oh, there goes Hannah. And she's also, yeah. Of course, Nettie had suspicions and hopes that Hannah was one of the cool bisexual SWS girls, but this was confirmation. Before this intimate hour in the workout room, Nettie wasn't even sure it was on the table for their crush to like them back. And then, a bunch of girls, including Hannah, came out to SWS in the dark. And suddenly, being bisexual was on the table for Nettie. And so was Hannah. And that was just glorious to yeah. be in there. And I definitely didn't say anything that whole like hour. But I swear to God, it's, I remember freaking out like and i'm freaking out like in the dark too so who knows like if i'm just like i'm probably like what the fuck um yeah so like that i remember being like a really big moment just knowing that someone has the ability 
to like you back. Like it was just so, I don't know, it was just really exciting. <laughs> I remember that being so pivotal and being like, oh my God, there are at least five bisexuals <laughs> among me. <laughs> Something particularly bisexual about this era of Nettie's life is that they had decided they were into classic rock. Their dad had taken them to see a ton of the big guys in concert. They saw The Who, Pink Floyd, Queen. And I don't know if you caught it earlier when Nettie mentioned they took a whole class on The New Yorker, but that sounds like a pretty bisexual space too. Fitting for what Nettie remembered next. Yeah, so I, for The New Yorker class, like I wrote about one of the concerts. And um, it was really fun. And like when I printed it out or like handed it in, like I put it in like a whole like format where like it looked like it was a newspaper article. And like I got to get like really creative in all those classes, but especially like with this assignment. And I just remember I read some of it out loud in class and everyone was like, whoa, like like, everyone (laughs) loved it. Um, And I was like, I felt like yeah, and I like I felt really good and like really affirmed in like my writing and yeah. just the description of it, like and everything. Oh and like, yeah, Hannah was in that class with me, and I remember like after class, she comes up to me, and I think it was like my left elbow, and she like kind of like gently like put her hands like on like my elbow and just was like that was really good and like looked at me and I kid you not it felt like if you watch like Heartstopper like when they, there's all those the little like electricity and like yeah. like it was truly that and I was like that like little gentle like touch I swear to God, it was like life altering and I was like wow I really like her like that was I truly like the moment where I was like oh my God, like it was like truly like a little like electric shock and radiation. And and, and I was just like, wow, like I really, really liked her. Even if you haven't seen Heartstopper, you probably know the electric feeling Nettie's talking about. Like when you brush shoulders with your crush and suddenly it feels like your shoulder is tingling and your heart is tingling, and in the show Heartstopper, sometimes little animated fireworks go off between the two of you. It's a special feeling, and for Nettie, that feeling shifted something. I think like up until that point, I always thought like I didn't really have strong feelings, or maybe I wasn't like super capable of having strong feelings for people because they were always like boys that I might like or I would have like little like boyfriends and stuff like at sleepaway camp and I would just be like I don't care like I don't feel for any of them like it just like didn't mean anything to me and then I realized I was like no I feel a lot (laughs) um and yeah I feel like it was just this overriding all-consuming thing of knowing that I liked her knowing that like no one knew because at the time then like I'm becoming friends with her the other thing about Hannah is that she lived around the corner from me and being a senior like she had a car and I remember that time in 10th grade because I like realized I was gay and had that like pent up that energy like I feel like I was more like a little more like erratic and I miss like I remember missing a lot of school because I was like 
I truly think like when I look back on it, I'm like, I think I just had such bad depression because like I was keeping the this like inside of me. And I remember I would text Hannah and I'm not sure if this happened like more than once, but like I can like remember clearly like her like coming to pick me up and us like driving around and like maybe like me not really telling my parents like where I was going. And I was not a rebellious child, but I feel like 10th grade for me was the year where I was like just and I and it's because of SWS and I that's why I love SWS because I it was truly a year of self-discovery um so SWS clearly makes you gay sounds like egalitarian learning to me Nettie remembers this year of self-discovery especially well because they kept a journal for part of it as homework for their meditation class You heard me right. It's like SWS knew that years from now, one of the queers it was churning out was bound to be on an early episode of an indie podcast about feelings from the past. And mama, this journal contains feelings. So the thing about it was that you would write it and the only person that had access to it was the teacher. And you could tell her, like, I don't want you to read any of it. It was more like she just wanted to know that you were writing in it. But what a lot of these are is I would type out these single spaced word documents and then I would staple them in onto the paper and I'd fold them so that like you have to fold it out of, as if it was like a center fold, like in a yes. magazine. Um, they're like really, really long. And I feel like at one point my teacher even was like, Annette, like I'll have to read one of these at some point. And I was like, nope, <laughs> you won't. But this was like, I don't know, the first time I was really just writing. It was like a free write, you know, and... There's just, like, so much in here about, like, sexuality. Like, Lynn, look at this. <laughs> bye, bye, bye. Oh, my God. Crunch mark, crunch mark, crunch mark. Oh, my God. I- Nettie is showing oh me God, a page so toward the end of their journal. Like they said, most pages don't have any writing on them. Nettie instead typed, printed, folded up, and stapled their entries to the journal's pages for maximum security which makes this page particularly shocking. In their 15-year-old curly handwriting, Nettie had written, bi, 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 as in bisexual, 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 not uh, as in in sync, big enough to take up the entire page. There's no date on this entry, but I have a sneaking suspicion it might have been after the whole secrets in the dark debacle. Because... Listening to Nettie question their feelings and sexuality in earlier entries, it seems like there had to be some sort of change leading to this bold bye-bye-bye. Here, listen to this entry from February 2008. I'm usually not like this. Confusion is getting the best of me. It's taking me down into this state of mental paranoia. Is that even a real thing? Whatever. I don't know what to do. Don't know if what I think is right or wrong or vice versa. I think I really like blank. And that was Hannah. I really do, no joke. Uh, But maybe I'm just confused. These ideas are in my head that I might have a crush on her, on her bubbly personality that shines right through to my heart. Um, I know she has a boyfriend with whom she's madly in love, but I can't stop this feeling. The weird thing is, is that the feeling 
of her not knowing how I feel is more extreme than the way I feel. I've decided not to say anything to her about it, just to be friendly and be there for her. I don't even know if she's bisexual or not. Okay, so this was before. <laughs> this was before that uh, SMS thing. She could be joking when putting on her Facebook that she's interested in men and women as well. I swear to God, I like relied on the interested in on Facebook. It was Literally. like, that was the gospel. And then I wrote, who joke about that though? It's so serious. <laughs> well, at least I think it is. This is why I'm not coming out or anything. I'm not even sure if this feeling is real or made up. I mean, girls hook up with each other all the time. That's really all I want. Just wanna be able to stop her from, oh my God, this part's so embarrassing. Oh so I was like, I wanna stop her from talking and kiss her or hook up with her um, or something. And while I'm writing this, I feel a little awkward. Maybe it's all this mental phase, kind of like, also at the time, another class I took in SWS was an Anne Frank class. Anyway, but I, I reference Anne Frank, right? Because Anne Frank is notable bisexual, retroactively putting labels. Um, I was like, maybe it's all this mental phase, kind of like Anne Frank. At a point in her life, she was curious and tried experimenting with girls. Maybe that's all I'm searching for, someone to experiment with, like Marissa on the OC. Um, <laughs> it's so of its time, this is so of its time. Um, but it's almost like the qualities I love in a person are all crammed into her adorable self. Maybe it's real, maybe it's fake. I still have no clue. I have come up with a solution though. If this feeling passes, I let it pass and forget about it. But if it lingers and stays with me to the end of the year, then I'll just write her a letter that confesses what I felt about her. She'd be going off to college anyway. I just wish I was 100% sure. I knew that she was bisexual and then she wasn't in love. I mean, I can't go against a totally hot blonde guy who's 18. I'm just a 15 year old girl that thinks I like her. You don't know how much I want to show this to her, but I just fear that she'll never talk to me again because she'll think I'm weird. I actually feel strange writing so much stuff just about blank, Hannah. But it's the only way to get out what I want to tell someone. Too bad, I have no one to tell. Not true, I could tell so many people. <laughs> people would be totally into me spilling that I like a girl. See, I'm like treating it as if it's like this gossip, right? But I don't want to start false rumors about myself. I don't want to be perceived as something I'm not or am, which leads back to the unsure part again being unsure whether this feeling is real or not. If all this develops into something more meaningful, then I will do something to get what I'm feeling across to her and make her feel something, make her oh. feel something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was, I think, like my first journal entry. So like, I was really dying to get this out and it's just this all consuming thing. Like this whole journal is just me truly agonizing over yeah. like my sexuality. I always know where this notebook is. Yeah. I always know where it is. And it's just like my personal archives and I just can't believe how honest and open I was. Nettie reread their 10th grade journal for the first time back in 2018. It had been a decade since Hannah and SWS. A lot had changed in Nettie's life. And in poetic fashion, they wrote a little reflection. When I would like think back to this journal, I only thought it was stuff about Hannah, but it was also all this other stuff about like me being very blunt and candid about like being like, I wanna have sex, like I don't wanna be a virgin or whatever, like I wanna have, and, and it, 
I like truly like I wrote so I wrote in 2018 I wrote this journal contains two people and I'm somehow both who was less of me <laughs> this is so funny each self is hindered in their own way um, when it comes to sexuality and identity I just cannot for the life of me fathom positivity towards sex or a nonchalantness about sex what happened what happens what what happened tense me up severing my memory of this 15 year old self so then like also like in high school like my senior year like I was like sexually assaulted so my idea of like what my sexuality or like what I could have been like it just feels like that like self like that self of like being like just wanting so much to like have sex or have sex with a guy or like whatever like it just it's so distant and I'm like I I I sometimes like in the past I've called myself a prude like it's not that I'm a prude it's just that I am very like protective like of myself and my sexuality and just the way I was talking like so openly about like oh sex like I'm like that's like not who I am at all so well, thank you for sharing that with me, Nettie. You're welcome. I'm sorry that happened. If I can share mm-hmm. that, like, like I have had a similar feeling of, like, looking back at, like, I have, like, written journal entries about, like, my first, who would become my first girlfriend, but mm-hmm. who I hadn't, whatever, at the time. Just, like, wanting sex so, like, openly and, like, mm-hmm. kind of, like, there is just, like, no... I mean, there was baggage that came with it because mm-hmm. the culture about sex, whatever. <laughs> but like, just being like, I want to have sex with her, and like, I'm gonna. And then like, mm-hmm. even just like thinking about like how we hooked up, like post like sexual trauma. Like I'm like, oh, like that's just it's truly just like that's not who I am. Yeah. Anymore. Yeah. And I think, I mean, I'm whatever. There's like a lot that I have gained by being, like, a survivor of sexual trauma and, like, being, like, in communities of people like that. But it makes me really sad to, like, look at that and be like, oh, like, that was a big part of my, like, identity, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, I was, like, truly shocked. I was like, I I truly do not know her. Like, I don't. (laughs) (laughs) Like, really, really do not know because then it's like when I think about all the shit that I went through years later I'm like oh my god can never never be so casual about it Mm -hmm. never and it's still true like today where I'm like I can't I can't I'm not casual about it usually I'm like it's gotta be like dating someone like be in a relationship with someone be feel safe like like someone But, yeah, reading that was, like, a trip. I was, like, who am I? Yeah. Um, it was crazy. Yeah. Can I show you the yearbook? Yeah. <laughs> I'm gripping it. Okay. So this was... <laughs> this is nice. It's really nice, right? So, like, this wasn't even... We start paging through Nettie's old yearbook, and Nettie flips right past their own photo a few times before recognizing themselves. In hindsight, this feels like a very poetic representation of how a person might split into two selves after a trauma. How there's before you and after you. And it's hard for after you to remember what it was like to be before you. 
At the time, I was too distracted by 2008 Nettie's long, dramatically side-parted hair to notice this. So instead, I asked Nettie to show me where Hannah had signed their yearbook. Um, but she wrote, <clears throat> she wrote, hey, Chica, <laughs> um, uh, <laughs> uh, I'm going to miss you next year. Um, who am I going to vent to in class about life? I'm so happy I got to know you this year before I left for college. You can call me whenever and good luck in 11th next year. Killer year, but still hella fun. You're, and then she wrote, your home is my home. Heart Hannah. That's really cute. It's really cute and really, really sweet. Like, yeah. Your home is my home. Okay, so you have her number one more. I did. I absolutely had her number and I've already looked in my phone for it and there is no trace of it. It must yeah. have died in one iteration, older iteration of my phone dying. Awesome. So... Um, but I did not have to fret long about how we'd contact Hannah. Nettie had a plan. Okay, so I'm thinking that I would text my whatever, like someone I was friends with in like high school, this guy Nick, who he was actually my first boyfriend. Um, we were in like middle school, and he's very gay now, <laughs> um, and he's really cool and all tatted up, and he's an artist, or whatever. Yeah, I would text him and ask if like him or one of his siblings, because like one of his like older sisters was also an SWS, like at the same time as me. I would think I could potentially get her number. Like either he might have it or maybe one of his siblings would have it. Nettie ends up DMing Nick on Instagram. And in two minutes, his little texting dot dot dots appear on the screen. God, I love an ally. Nettie has to run off to some gay event or another, so they leave me with the yearbook and their journal, though I'm under strict instructions not to open the latter. Don't worry, Nettie, you can trust me. Now, allow me to play my audience a private, anxious voice memo you sent me later that night. Okay, Lynn, plot twist, or potential plot twist. Uh, what if she is just like a major, like, trumper or whatever <laughs> like what if something drastically change and she's just like just a big old trump like homo phobe not homo <laughs> um or something like that that would be wild oh my gosh but yeah i just had that thought after the break that thought. So where do we leave off? Nettie was using the SWS Gay Alumni Network to find Hannah's number, and they were worrying that Hannah may have said goodbye to bisexuality and hello to homophobia. By the next time I got Nettie in front of the mic, a whole month had passed. Okay, okay. we've talked yeah. off mic yeah. about everything that's happened since we last recorded 
which is a lot. Yeah. Um, yeah, I was able to get her number pretty easily. So why the long wait? I was just in the midst of like finishing a class and I don't know I just was like I don't have the time right now to like dedicate to like really thinking about this and also I think it was just making me a little nervous so I was like putting it off a bit but especially I was like I just want to wait until like the semester's over and I finally did text her um, <laughs> we get the receipts um I kind of reminded her of like who I was and, you know <laughs> like you know from being from high school having been in SWS and give her a little lowdown about like what the podcast is and she didn't remember who I was and asked me to send a picture Record scratch. She asked what? She um she said, Hey, I'm actually not sure who this is. Can you send a picture? And that I did. I did send a picture. Right, yeah, and I was like, this is from sophomore year when you would have known me. I told her I was like the town I lived in, because we lived like so close and um And because she in the yearbook, the your home is my home, the elbow touch from the New Yorker class. God, maybe Nettie should have introduced themselves as Chica. Yeah, and essentially, she was so kind about it. She was so, like, I mean, it was just, like, a weird, like, text to receive. Like, she even said it was a really interesting message to receive. Yeah, and then I was just talking to her about what she's up to now. She asked me how I did get her number, and I told oh her God. who I got it from. And we were, like, gushing over, like, oh, my God, we love we love Nick. We chatted for probably, like, just one night and then, like, a bit of another day. And mm. she just, like, asked all these questions about the podcast <laughs> and, like, what is, what's it about in general? And, like, if she could find it right now and, like, what I was planning to say and... One thing she said was just like, she said, I'm flattered that you thought of me. I didn't realize you had a crush on me all those years ago. It's amazing how much goes unsaid. That was so true. Um, It's really sweet. It was very, very sweet. Hannah ultimately declined to come on the podcast, which is fine. It's funny because like in reaching out to her, and some part of me felt like I was like reverting back to some aspect of my 10th grade self and I was getting nervous in that but also it didn't the energy there like it wasn't as much as um because when I liked her everything was really hidden and um you know now I just like told her and like, I didn't feel as like restricted with myself and my feelings and um telling her this all those all these years <laughs> later it kind of like took the power almost or that or the strength of that crush and like how it's been like have have kept it with me like all these years like in my body like just thinking about it as a memory like it made it real like it wasn't it wasn't a story I was telling like this is a like a real person and it kind of like lost some of its power I was like truly I think I only knew her that one year and then that was it and then I mean and clearly she didn't remember me either um 
I, I think at some point, like when I was imagining like, oh, like if we talk, like what will this conversation be like? And will she be like, oh, I kind of encourage on you too. Like those were all things I was thinking about, like the potential of that, which would have been like wild to me. Like, it, I think it also just shows like how repressed it all really was. <laughs> and, you know, and that just, I guess, wasn't the relationship or friendship that we had. And to be honest, like, I can only remember a handful of times, like, when we were actually, like, hung out together or, like, talked. Like, it's just snippets. So I'm like, how can I expect her to remember, like, snippets, you know, of this person that she knew, like, for one year, you know? Like, right, right before graduating high school, so... I, I just was so open and honest, like in this little journal um, mm -hmm. that I had, I'm like pointing to it and touching it now because <laughs> <laughs> it has so many, yeah, it has so many just raw teen emotions and questions and, mm -hmm. and fears in it. And um, yeah, and it's like not at all how I feel now. Um, I still do get anxious and fearful and stuff, but in the way that I'm who I am and I'm like dating who I want. And these aren't feelings that I'm scared of or questioning, like, oh, do I really like girls or like trying to downplay it or whatever. Like, no, like I, I, I do. And <laughs> I like and them a lot. I do like them a lot. I like them a lot. And yeah, and I feel like this question was like, you know, like For Nettie, Hannah was someone who made bisexuality seem like a real attainable thing. Someone who they were attracted to who was queer. So not only was queerness real, but if Hannah was queer and Nettie was queer, maybe they could queer together. For Hannah, Nettie was, you know, a 10th grader in their New Yorker class who wrote really well. Maybe Hannah thought Nettie was cute, we don't know. If I had to guess, I'd say maybe Hannah had her own Hannah, you know, a queer girl a couple years older who made the whole thing seem real and not just a side story from the OC. Maybe Nettie was Hannah for someone else. I believe that. I think that Nettie's realizing that, sure, the crush was on Hannah, but I think it was more the idea of being queer and of being authentically attracted to who they're attracted to that made this crush seem so important. But this doesn't change the fact that we didn't get the actual Hannah on the pod. But something about Nettie, they get me. Remember what I said about us being intimate friends? Nettie is about to prove it by reminding me what my own podcast is actually all about. I don't know, like I, I told her kind of the purpose of this show, or at least like my interpretation of it, I said, when talking about the crush, I'm like, it's interesting because it becomes less about the actual person who was once crushed on and more about the circumstances surrounding it and what was happening personally in one's life to make it so significant. 
And I said, for me, when I think back to 10th grade, I'm mostly remembering me figuring things out about my sexuality. And it's more about those internal struggles and questions and the friends who I was letting in at that point in my life to tell them about her. (laughs) And so just to have that conversation with her was like, really nice and also I, I asked her if once the podcast is out if she wants me to send it to her and oh she god. said yes with an exclamation point oh my and god and I sent the like smiley face that's kind of upside down and that was the last <laughs> time that was the last thing I sent um her I'm having like a thought of the other episodes that I've done where we've gotten the person it's all been like people's like childhood like first big crush that like they realized like mm-hmm. I'm a person who can have crushes and like maybe someone could like me back whatever yeah. and yeah it's all like elementary school and I think it like makes sense that yours which is like the first like like real possibility queer yeah. person or like queer reciprocal crushing yeah like happens later they yeah. say uh, queer adolescence is yeah yeah it's, totally, <laughs> yeah. it's always it's it, no but it's so true right it's so so true yeah it does like, make sense um because then like going on like into like college like that's when i was like really starting to have girlfriends you know it just took like this to realize like that yeah no i actually i actually can um (laughs) i can feel strongly for someone and i do (laughs) and i still do feel strongly for yeah people that i've liked and person that i do like (laughs) so remember what i said earlier about sexual trauma splitting you into a before version and an after version. I want to complicate that a little. And I'm thinking through this in real time, so forgive me if it's a little woo-woo and if I say before and after too many times. Recently, I was in the shower crying to my partner, Kat, about my sexual trauma. Working on this episode had brought some stuff up for me. How free I was before. Would I even recognize myself before? Who would I be if I hadn't been abused? (sighs) When Nettie reread their old journal for the first time after their assault, they saw their before self as more free, sexually liberated, unafraid to say, I want sex. It can be easy to look back and envy your before self. But now, rereading these entries again, thinking back to 10th grade and SWS, and even texting with Hannah now about the podcast, Nettie looked back at their young self and saw many things before Nettie struggled with that after Nettie has on absolute lock. They're not repressed anymore. I mean, I'm on their website right now, and this is their bio. Annette is a gay, bi-gender Jewish writer and photographer from Long Island, New York, where they play roller derby as Mazelkov. Not for nothing, but that's a long way to come from bye, 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 question mark, question mark, question mark. 
When I think back to my before self, I usually focus on how that person wasn't afraid of sex. And when I think about my after self, I think of how scared I am of sex. But those aren't the only before and after lens. I think maybe there's not just before self and after self, really. There are infinite split-offs of your many selves. Before Nettie thought they just wanted to experiment with girls. Before Lynn used she, her pronouns. Maybe the befores and afters don't split off from the trauma, but from the work of understanding ourselves as we change in response to things like trauma. So, we still didn't get Hannah on the phone, but... <laughs> Uh-oh. Did we accidentally do another episode where my guest has a metaphorical conversation with a younger version of themselves? And this time, did I also accidentally have a metaphorical conversation with a younger version of myself? Wait, and did we also accidentally get a brand new listener of the pod? Hannah, if you're listening, please rate us five big ones. But we're not done. Oh, shoot. Um, <laughs> Do we have to sign off with a jingle or something? Yeah, we have to. If you want. I wonder if you have a song. To choose? Yes, to choose that makes you think of this time in your life. And um, uh, you have yeah. one already? Yeah, I mean, I have a band that I really love. Uh -huh. So at the time, so I think it would have been... Okay. Would have been, would have been around this time, I think... <sighs> Hold on, let me, let me, how like, how acoustic do I want to get with like acoustic? <laughs> <laughs> like soft and sappy or a little bit. Um, You're going to type no, it I know exactly, no, I'm gonna, I know exactly what I'm going to type it. It's uh, I Still Remember by Block Party. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> All right. Don't forget to check out the show notes where I've linked some resources for survivors of sexual trauma. And don't forget to check out our Instagram for pictures from today's episode. You want to see the bye 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 page of Nettie's journal. I know you do. And that is at everyone I never kissed pod on Instagram. See you next week for a brand new episode. Bye. Here, here, <laughs> Everyone I Never Kissed is written and produced by me, Lynn Barbera. The theme song was written and produced a little bit by me and a lot by the bye 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 Cat Jordan. You can follow Cat at Cats Are the Future. You can follow the show at Everyone I Never Kissed Pod on Instagram. To tell me about your crushes deferred, email everyone I never kissed at gmail.com. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, and I know every podcast says it, but boy, oh boy, please rate us five big ones and leave a review if you like, like the show. We're almost to 100. Thanks for listening. Love you. Bye. There was never any situation where I yes. was because this person. <laughs>